It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me here on Talent Talk. It's Tuesday. We're live, and I'm uh, back from my travels, so we're back in the uh, studio making it happen today. So thank you, everyone, for joining me. So many of you come in live, and we appreciate you, uh, and really would love for you to join in the conversation and hit us up on Twitter. You can uh, use the hashtag Talent Talk. You can send your questions and comments to at PeopleG2. Love to have that interaction, whether it's live during the show or even after the show's aired. We still love to keep that conversation going. And, of course, so many of you actually interact with us through the podcast, both on iTunes and listen to us on iHeartRadio. Over 10,000 of you a day listening to at least one or more of our past shows. And it's just awesome. We really appreciate everyone's support being a part of the conversation. So many of these great conversations have even spurred uh, my first book. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, The Power of Company Culture. Love for you to do that. Write a review on Amazon or whatever uh, whatever you feel like doing. But um, a lot of the great stories from the show have been a part of that book and i uh, love to share it with everyone. So um, we, started, we started a few minutes late. We had a little microphone issue. So I'm going to get uh, right into the show here today and not uh, spend any more time with the uh, usual business of pre-show stuff. Um, I have two great guests, as always, but my first guest will be Tom uh, Darrow, the founder and principal at Talent Connections, LLC, and Career Spa, LLC. Busy guy. And then after the commercial break, my second guest will be Greg Till, Senior Vice President, CHRO, Field of Field HR, and talent for Providence St. Joseph's Health. So um, let's go ahead and get Tom into the show. Tom, welcome. Uh, thank you for being a part of the show. It's my pleasure. Great to be here. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your company, and what, what's important for us to know as it relates here for our conversation today about Talent Connection and Career Spa? Well, sure. Well, thank you. Well, uh, yeah, we're based down here in Atlanta, Georgia. And we've got two firms. Uh, Talent Connections is almost 20 years old. And what we're mainly known for is uh, conducting executive search, mostly in HR. We've actually placed over 1,000 HR professionals over our 20-year career and uh, really do most anything in HR on a full-time and even contract basis. Uh, we also do a fair amount of recruiting or talent acquisition consulting. Um, and then about 10 years ago, we launched the sister company, Career Spa, and as you might guess from the title, uh, it's all about career management and career coaching. And more than just helping unemployed people get a job, uh, we really want to help everyone optimize their career. So you have two different companies. I mean, they certainly have a connection around the employment area, but they're really different in what they're trying to, to do. And I think we probably all understand the talent connection uh, uh, you know, business model pretty well. But... Let's kind of dive into Career Spa a little bit. And you focused on the unemployed and it's the misemployed. So maybe you could talk about what a misemployed person is. Absolutely. Well, you know, the studies show, in fact, I saw a big study a couple years ago where they said 84% of all people are misemployed. And so that really means that somebody just isn't in the ideal job, right? So it could be their the role, it could be their supervisor, it could be the commute, uh, you know, a whole host of things could be wrong. But, but really, you know, they, they just don't feel like they're in their sweet spot. So, uh, you know, we all know how much time we spend at work and how important it is in our lives and in our uh, callings. And uh, so if we're, uh, you know, really not happy and not right there aligned with our purpose and our sweet spot, well, then, you know, that's a problem. And uh, so that's kind of our heart is to help people uh, really identify what the sweet spot is 
and then how do you navigate from where you are in your career to where you want to be? So how much of that is really related to what people want versus what people actually can do, you know, to what is actually available? Um, you know, I, I, I might be misemployed and I think I should be the president of the United States, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that's what I'm going to get. So, you know, how do you balance all those different factors? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, well, a lot of things, you know, you have to uh, obviously be in tune with, uh, you know, what, what really is available in the marketplace, what is the market calling for, you know, what is the intersection of kind of your, your passion, your potential, your, your skills, um, motivations. Yeah, you know, I think one of the key things that we uh, talk about is having mentors. You know, I know all, uh, in my past, people would always say, oh, get a mentor, you know, like it was one person. Well, really, one person isn't enough, right? You, you almost need a personal board of advisors. Uh, so you need mentors to, to really help you think through and to help you stay motivated and focused on, you know, what really is possible. And, uh, you know, it, it's almost challenging these days. There are so many options, right? There's so many occupations and cities and companies and, uh, you know, and, and even just being an entrepreneur or being a consultant or a free agent. Uh, so sometimes I think people get deer in headlights where they just almost don't know where to go because there are just so many options. And so I think that's where you, you lean on some other people, maybe even a career coach. Uh, you lean on other people to kind of help you on the journey. Well, and I've had the experience where I've talked to applicants and many of them, they just want a job. Um, they just want to be working and they're not thinking about where they're going to be in a year or how that job might impact them. Um, they need, you know, to put food on the table for their families and they need to, to have pay their bills and things like that. But, you know, I've often kind of coached people out of trying to take a job that was clearly not for them. It only, it only fulfilled one of their, you know, possible needs. So, you know, as you're looking at the services that you're providing uh, Career Spa, how do you get them back into that talent stream, you know, in the right way? Right. Yeah, I think a lot of it starts with their perspective. You know, in fact, I taught our workshop all day today, so I've been talking all day. Uh, and one of the things we covered was the fact that, you know, the worst thing that could happen in your career is not to be unemployed. Now, if you're unemployed, it might feel like the worst thing that's happened. But actually, you know, when you're looking for a job, uh, the, your, your number one goal is not to find a job. Your number one goal is actually to uh, make sure you don't take the wrong job. Because if you take the wrong job, well, you know, like you're alluding to, it's going to be a problem. And uh, so that's really your number one goal is to make sure you don't take the wrong job. And then the number two goal is to find a really good job. You know, that's where each person is different. You know, we, we just had seen all through the years the kind of the outplacement and coaching industry, you know, just became a little bit too cookie cutter, a little bit too off the shelf and not as personalized, uh, individualized. And, you know, I think everybody has their story. Everybody has their unique intersection of, you know, all their skills and motivations and passions and hopes and dreams. And so that's where we like to really meet people where they are and then help them navigate, uh, you know, to optimize the journey not just to sort of float along the river. So now let's look at your other company, Talent Connections. You focus more on that executive end and the HR end and the spectrum of specifically helping those people get into the, the right roles. So as a, an executive search firm, what are some of the intangibles you're kind of most looking for in the talent that you recruit? Well, you, you know, I think with any role, somebody's got to have the baseline skills. Uh, but beyond that, especially in today's uh, HR profession, um, you know, HR is being asked to do a lot. I mean, it's, it's more than just payroll, right, and benefits and, and recruiting. Um, you know, it's really how do, how do we turn our employees into our competitive advantage? You know, how, how do we go to the market and, and make sure that uh, we've got the right talent at the right time? And, and that's challenging because, uh, you know, there is a lot of, uh, of the war for talent, but, but there is talent available. It's just a matter of how much uh, are you willing to pay for it and, you know, how are you going to set up your talent acquisition strategy and process to make sure that it is available at the right place at the right time. So, uh, you know, I think uh, when you think of HR and you think of strategic HR, you know, strategic HR isn't the ability to look 5 or 10 or 20 years down the road. Strategic HR is really, I think, about now. It's about how do you right now align your strategy, your process, your technology, 
you know, your, your culture, you know, all these things, how, how do you align them for the maximum value for the organization? Right, right. And there's so many different components in there. Um, I, I know you also offer the HR consulting and recruit, recruitment process outsourcing. Right. Do, do, do you find there's a lot of companies that are kind of simply lacking in the HR recruitment area and that's why they need firms like yours? Um, or is it, you know, more of a, a, a talent gap issue? Yeah, so it's all those things. You know, every company's different. I mean, more and more, we're actually getting calls from companies who, you know, probably know that they could find some candidates, but frankly, they don't want to deal with the volume and the tsunami of applicants that they would get if they you know, got the word out that they were looking. So to some degree, they, they want us to, you know, manage the process and manage the volume. Uh, they also know that, you know, we've worked hard to build a substantial network in in HR so that, uh, you know, when they reach out to us, uh, we're able to tap into the passive candidates. Uh, you know, we know a lot of those folks. We know people who know them. And so we're really able to get them the, you know, kind of the ultimate slate of candidates, not just the low-hanging fruit that you might get if you post a job online. Um, the other right. thing is just expertise. I mean, we've been doing this a long time. We all have been in HR, uh, so we've sort of been in the chair. So I think that, uh, you know, competency and capability helps us to, uh, you know, really lead our client to a better fit. And that has played out time and time again. And, in, in, you know, the fact that when we place people, we've really, really got a, a great track record. And we're proud of it for how people stay and how they, you know, do really well. Right, right. You know, what about uh, companies that are kind of looking to really achieve their, their growth goals? And, you know, the economy is doing pretty well right now, so a lot of companies are doing well. But, you know, regardless of maybe how the economy is doing, if a company is really concerned about achieving those goals, are there certain things they need to look for in their HR executives that you're talking to them about? Well, yeah, you have to really look at what are the most critical things because you're not going to get somebody that can do everything and, and is an A player in everything. So, you know, do you, do you need somebody who, you know, knows executive compensation? I mean, that's a big thing in, you know, CHR roles these days is somebody who really knows how to set up the executive comp for the leadership team, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you need, you know, are you in a high growth mode? So is talent acquisition, you know, a big focus? Um, so it's really about, you know, where do you need to be investing, you know, right now, and then what competencies uh, go along with that. Uh, so obviously every company is different. Uh, the other thing is I think companies are getting more comfortable, uh, you know, with uh, having people in certain key roles for a shorter period of time, you know, two years, three years, four years, uh, because then the company might reach a, a new evolution of size or of strategy, of, of focus, and, and they might need some new skills, some new competencies. And that doesn't mean that the person in the chair right now is a failure. Well, no, they were probably very, very helpful and, and successful, but, but now that season's over. And now for the new game and the new season, you need new players. And, uh, you know, so politely and professionally move them on and go out and get the right new uh, talent. You know, I, I call it talent on demand. You know, you need the right talent at the right time, and, and usually that has a, a fairly short time cycle. And uh, so I think companies are getting better at that. And one of the other things uh, you do besides uh, having two different companies is you are also involved mm -hmm. with the Sherm Foundation as a past chair and a current board member. Uh, I'm sure people have heard of, of Sherm, but what is the Sherm Foundation specifically? Yeah, absolutely. And, and let me clarify, I actually just rolled off the Sherm Foundation board after eight years uh, All right. uh, late last year. And uh, But yeah, the Sherm Foundation is fantastic. It's basically the foundation for the HR profession. Um, the Sherm Foundation raises money through the Sherm uh, membership, the Sherm chapters, through some other means, and, uh, and then turns around and invests that money back into the profession, back into the, you know, the community, really in two ways. One is through scholarships that are offered either for people who want to get an HR degree, you know, it could be an undergraduate or graduate degree, or it could be someone who wants to become certified in HR. And they need uh, maybe some financial support to, you know, get the training materials or, or uh, even take the exam. Uh, so scholarships is a, a big part of the Sherman Foundation. And then the other thing is, uh, is supporting different social causes that have workplace implications. So, 
good example there is, is veterans getting jobs. And so the Sherm Foundation is very focused on that uh, this year. You know, obviously that's not a new concept, a new challenge. Uh, but believe it or not, there are 42,000 nonprofits in the United States that are in the space of helping veterans get jobs. So what does that tell us? It tells us that there's a big need, but it also says that there's a big lack of collaboration. And so the Sherm Foundation is trying to help with the collaboration, is trying to capture the best practices for, you know, if you're a company out there and you want to hire veterans, well, how do you do that? How do you find them? How do you interview them? How do you bring them on board? And the beauty is, as the Sherm Foundation captures these best practices for hiring veterans, well, then with a flip of the switch, uh, that information can be sent out to almost 300,000 Sherm members who are HR professionals all over the country and basically enable and equip them to hire veterans. So we've been really excited about, uh, you know, truly being able to, to move the needle on causes like that. That's a great cause, and it sounds like uh, some really great work. And I'm sure your, uh, your efforts uh, will be missed uh, as you've rolled off that board. But it sounds like a great uh, cause, and I'm sure certainly people should check that out if they're interested in learning more or helping in any way. Absolutely. Right. Um, you know, one of the things we love to ask our guests is we get such varied answers and wondering if there's a book that you're reading right now or one that you typically uh, suggest people take a look at. Well, I'm just about to finish a book called uh, Giving It All Away and Getting It Back All Again. And it's by uh, David Green, who is the founder of Hobby Lobby, and uh, really, really been inspired by the book, just about you know giving at greater levels. Uh, he talks about corporate giving and also individual giving. And, uh, you know, when you think of giving, most people immediately think of financial giving, which is, which is great, which is a big part of it. But there's also giving of your time. There's giving of your talent. And, and I think, you know, all of us, even though here in the States, I mean, we're probably the greatest giving, uh, uh, you know, community on the planet, but, but we can still give more. And there's still opportunity. There's still more need. And uh, so I, uh, I love the book and would highly recommend it. Again, uh, giving it all away and getting it all back again. Uh, David Green. Oh, that's great. The other thing we've been asking our guests uh, is there's a device, a, a gadget, an app, a process. Is there something you've added to your life maybe this year that you know you might share with us or it might be something that we could learn from and, and maybe add to our lives to get better? Boy, that's, that's a good question. And it's funny because I'm a gadget guy. Uh, <laughs> I've got, uh, you know, cameras at the house so I can see what's going on when I'm out there. And, uh, and uh, uh, you know, this, this might be funny, but uh, one of my favorite gadgets is not really work-related necessarily, but it's, a, it's called a mailbox alert, and it's 50 bucks. Uh, get on eBay or where have you, you know, somewhere on the Internet. And basically when your mailbox out at the end of the street, when the postal uh, person delivers your mail and they open the door, it uh, it rings uh, uh, something in your house, a little device, and a red light comes on, and you know that the mail is here. And <laughs> if you're like like me, that's one of the favorite times of the day is when the mail comes. And uh, uh, so anyway, not not uh, as much work related, although I guess some of the mail we get is, is sensitive and and work related. Uh, but that that's the first thing that came to mind. Well, then that can be really helpful. I mean, uh, certainly some people would uh, love to go and run to the mailbox when you know the mail is there. Um, other people might be concerned about uh, security, right? I mean, there are people that go right. around and take mail out of people's mailboxes and things like that. So well, that may be yeah. valuable to know as well that, you know, maybe someone's opening your mailbox at a time that the mail person doesn't normally show up. So that would be a yeah. great little device yeah. as well. Um, and, and some people are concerned about embarrassment, right? When you go out to look for your mail and it's not here yet. And, oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, you're, you're, you're. Look out and, and they saw that and they're like, oh, you know, thanks for checking for me. My, my favorite is when I walk out and they go, and my neighbor goes, they don't, they didn't, they don't uh, deliver today. Like, you know, I go out on a, right. on a Monday, like Martin Luther King Day or some day where they don't, they right. don't deliver. Right. And I go, oh, I forgot. And you feel like yep. stupid. Yep. So, well, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about uh, either of your companies? What's the best way for them to find out? Well, sure. Um, either go to the website, uh, talentconnections.net or careerspa.net. Or certainly reach out to me at uh, my email address. Uh, it's Tom Darrow. There's no dot. So Tom Darrow. And Darrow is D as in Delta and then Arrow. So Tom Darrow at either talentconnections.net or at Tom Darrow at careerspa.net. Either one's fine. 
And uh, certainly anybody can also call. Uh, is it okay to give a phone number? Sure. Oh, great. Uh, 770-633-5242. But uh, happy to help anyone uh, who has uh, questions or, or uh, issues around their career management or anything else. Well, Tom, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. I give our listeners some great things to think about and all the different things that you're doing. Uh, like I said, busy guy. Um, hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the cool things that you're doing. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right, we'll take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back with my second guest, Greg Till. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months, and the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly through our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. Special thanks to Tom Darrow, who we just finished up with, the founder and principal at Talent Connections LLC and Career Spot LLC. For coming on the show as my first guest. Uh, if you missed his, uh, if you missed his uh, segment, you can catch it on iTunes or iHeartRadio here next week, uh, or also go to TalentTalkRadio.com, and uh, you can, of course, any of those places you can hear all of our past shows. We've been going since 2014. I can't believe it. Uh, I've got hundreds of interviews. Uh, with all sorts of great people love for you to check that out but my next guest is greg till senior vice president uh chro field hr and talent for talent at uh, providence saint joseph health don't forget to uh, send us any of your comments or questions on twitter at people g2 use that hashtag talent talk all one word but uh greg thanks for joining me today yeah, thanks so much. I really appreciate it, Chris. Congratulations on uh, so many successful shows, and really appreciate the invitation. Glad to be here. Fantastic. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? You know, what's really important for us to know uh, today regarding your work and the things you're interested in, and especially what you're doing over there at uh, Providence uh, St. Joseph Health. Well, uh, thank you again for the opportunity. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Um, it's a privilege to work for such an incredible organization whose mission it is to ensure health for a better world. I'm not sure how many of your listeners know about Providence and St. Joseph Health. I know most of the folks that you have listening from Orange County and the West Coast probably have heard of us because we're number one and number two in our markets all across the West Coast from a healthcare provider perspective. We're one of the biggest nonprofit healthcare providers with over 51 hospitals, almost 900 clinics, and 500 unique, 5 million, pardon me, unique patients served. Um, we believe that access to high-quality health care is a right as a nonprofit, and so we focus on really providing compassionate care for all, especially the poor and vulnerable. Um, last year, we uh, gave back about $1.6 billion to the communities that we serve and community benefit, taking care of anyone who needs care. So it's really a great privilege to have been with this organization myself for about four years. And uh, at this point, as you mentioned, um, I was brought in as the chief talent officer for the organization where I had responsibility for hiring, developing it, growing, and uh, inspiring our workforce. And uh, recently in the past year, I've also taken uh, leadership uh, opportunity over all of HR operations, so our HR journalist community in the field. And that really gives me a great opportunity to take the great strategy that we have in the talent space and really operationalize that in a way that can make a direct impact um, for our organization and then um, obviously also for the communities that we serve. So really excited about uh, some of the things that we have going on here in the talent space and looking forward to kind of getting in and hoping that some of the things that we're doing might benefit some of your listeners as well. Yeah, we're so going to get, get into some of that. Um, I understand you worked at uh, the Raytheon Company before coming over. Uh, to your current position, what really kind of brought you and, and you know drove you to change your sort of different companies and different purposes and so what brought you over to providence 
Well, uh, Corecan is an incredible company with strong leaders and a great mission. It's a defense contractor, and so I have a little joke that I say that I was saving lives in a different way when I worked there, <laughs> and now we're saving lives in a different way here. But what really drew me to Providence after almost 12 years there at Raytheon, that incredible company, was uh, first the opportunity to make a difference in healthcare. You know, one of the things that I really love about being in healthcare as an HR professional and especially in talent is that everything that we do, because it's so service-oriented and it's so people-focused, everything that we do can have a really big impact on the care that we provide in our communities, um, how we engage our caregivers, how we hire folks, um, the cost uh, profile that we enable for the organization, our culture, all of that goes into the quality of care that we provide, the cost um, of that care, and the experience that our patients have or our communities get um, as part of our consumer base. So. First and foremost, it was really the opportunity to make a difference, frankly, for my communities um, through the work that uh, my team and I uh, have the opportunity to do every day. And that's what helped me to listen to the opportunity. Uh, the second ones I really got to know the organization was the leadership. Um, for those, again, who might not be as familiar, Rod Hockman, our CEO, last year was named as the top innovator in healthcare on Press Ganey. He's always mentioned as one of the top 25 leaders in this space. Because we're really thinking proactively, not just about how to take care of uh, sick folks, which we do every day, but we also are thinking about how to make our communities healthier by improving the social determinants of health. That's why we have a high school and a college and um, home, um, housing complexes as part of our offering to our community. And then a the third thing, which um, I really hadn't understood completely until I got here, was the powerful mission that the organization has. You know, our mission statement has in it things about revealing love and about compassionate service and about focusing special attention on the poor and vulnerable population. Um, but every company has a great mission statement. Um, but after really meeting the leaders and, frankly, after being here for a few months, um, I, and now four years in, I'm incredibly inspired by how our leaders try to live that mission every single day. And it really makes it a special company to be at. So those are some of the reasons that I decided to join and um, why I choose to stay every single day. I feel like I was called to be here at this time, at this pivotal juncture in uh, healthcare industry's change curve, and uh, it's been an exciting ride ever since. Well, you started to kind of answer into my th next question, and which is, you know, a lot of companies struggle to know what their purpose is, and they struggle to know, um, you know, really why they're doing what they're doing other than to make money or, you know, uh, because their boss told, told them to. But hospitals and healthcare and, and some other companies, it, the, the purpose is a bit clearer. And so what I find is that the, the development of the culture seems to be a, a sometimes a bit farther along because you've already kind of conquered that purpose um, question. Um, so maybe you could talk about what's unique in your organization from a cultural perspective um, and how do you feel that impacts the really your talent acquisition strategies? Yeah, that'd be that. Uh, I appreciate the question, um, and I think that you're right. I think that folks who choose as a vocation to be in healthcare um, are naturally called to do the work that they do, um, either whether it's providing care as a direct caregiver or whether it's supporting those direct caregivers. We actually call all of our uh, employees caregivers because everyone's supporting the care um, of our consumers in some way. Or another. Um, it also, though, creates higher expectations of what those caregivers um, expect or demand from the organizations that they work with. Um, the research is pretty clear that not only are they called to do the work, and um, uh, but that they also have higher expectations about what they expect of their company. And so, there's a couple of special things I think about Providence and St. Joseph Health that really makes us unique. First, we were founded by a group of nuns who really felt personally themselves called to do the work 160 plus years ago. And so when they were called to do the work, they came out to the West with, you know, I think the story is like $3 of their name, and really wanted to know what they could do to help their community. And they started off running orphanages and building schools, and they got into healthcare a little bit later in their journey. But that kind of tradition of doing what the community needs um, and providing community benefit really is at the heart of everything that we do as an organization. Um, we have a lot of conversations around um, how we provide uh, the best services to our communities, whether or not they're in healthcare, which is the current industry that we're in. Um, and so because we've been around for 160 years, there's a lot in our traditions that are about honoring our past, but also recognizing that lasting that long and being as successful as the organization's been and providing that, um, that service 
that we've had to really react to the signs of the time. And so there's a really interesting juxtaposition between honoring the past, and the legacy, and the history, but constantly looking for innovative approaches to react to the signs of the time and, frankly, lead the way in others where, in other, uh, where others might be a little bit less courageous. You know, from the start, these ambitious, courageous women, uh, they reached out to everyone um, to offer service, regardless of their religious affiliation, regardless of their color, creed, background, socioeconomic status. And so one of the things that that's created, again, from a culture perspective, uh, to get more specifically to your question, is really a great, wonderful, inclusive, and diverse uh, culture and a respect for um, everyone that comes in the organization. I think the last thing I'd say is that we're really committed to providing uh, an excellent patient experience, which requires us to aspire to an inspiring um, caregiver experience. And so when you kind of add all that up, you ask specifically about TA. You know, today, I think that the stat says that by 2025, 75% of the workforce will be millennials. Millennials are called to organizations that, number one, serve communities. Number two, have a strong mission. Number three, where their career can flourish, and they can bring them their whole selves to work every single day. And, I mean, we believe that based on what we're able to offer through our mission and our commitment to our caregivers' experience, that we offer a pretty incredible employee value position on all counts. And it's one thing that we prepare our hiring organization um, to really help explain to our caregivers every single day. Last year, we filled over 37,000 positions as an organization. And I guarantee that um, all, every single one of those 37,000 hires understands our mission, understands the uh, experience that we're aspiring to give both to our communities and to our, ourselves, our caregivers, and frankly, what their accountability is in helping us to maintain and strive for even better outcomes on all those counts. Well, you certainly got into lots of different areas there, um, and I'm going to kind of maybe dial into um, uh, fostering employee engagement. You talked about the, some of the key areas and how you want to help your employees. So maybe we could talk about some of the initiatives specifically that you guys are doing that maybe people can learn from um, to really help foster that, that engagement by all of your employees, all your caregivers. Yeah, we, we're really uh, inspired by our approach there, and it's kind of migrated over time from satisfaction to engagement. And now we look at the holistic experience. I've used that word a couple of times purposefully because, you know, engagement typically measures things like retention, commitment, and satisfaction. And we feel like we need to even more effectively understand what elements of our caregivers' experience contribute to things like productivity, uh, burnout, um, improved clinical results, or patient satisfaction, um, or even, frankly, longevity of our, uh, of our patients' lives. And so we've really looked. We started with the science. That's kind of a mantra that we have here internally is start with the science. Know what works and apply it and then measure the outcomes. And so I just say that to kind of broaden the conversation a little bit to say that we really have examined every single aspect of our caregivers' experience. And so some of the things that we're doing to improve the experience um, are aimed at the engagement factors that I mentioned, but they're also aimed at other factors that we know scientifically have been proven to show that they'll also improve uh, those other factors, uh, productivity, patient care that I mentioned. And so a um, couple of the things that we're doing, you know, first, um, some of these things will sound um, pretty simple and some of them are a little bit more complex. Uh, one of the things that we do is to ensure that everyone understands what we're committed to um, in terms of their experience. We're committed to ensuring that our workforce is inspired, supported, accepted, empowered, and included. Those are the five primary pillars of our experience strategy. And so when I talk about being inspired, it's really a connection to the mission. And so early this, this year um, and uh, almost all of last year, we took about a year and a half to ask about 50,000 of the 120,000 caregivers that we have um, how they felt we were exampling the experience that we were aspiring to as an organization. And by asking them um, in one-on-one -on -one conversations and group conversations, this isn't just an annual survey, how they felt we were measuring up and where we needed to really put improvements in place, we changed elements of our strategy, of our processes, implemented new technology, changed span of service ratios, and things like that to really ensure that they understood that we were committed to delivering on that mission and that we took their voice seriously. Um, we also uh, did a couple of things last year that we're proud of with respect to our leadership. You know, the research shows that about 70% of engagement, at least the felt engagement of your caregivers, is based on their direct supervisor. And so we can implement a lot of things across the system, but really what matters is your direct supervisor 
And so we've done a couple of things there. Um, we've reinvested in leadership and career development. We actually opened a, uh, a university, Providence University, in partnership with the, with the college that we own to expand our um, clinical development, but also our leadership development and our mission development. Um, we've also, frankly, made a commitment to the organization that um, for the leaders that aren't living up to uh, our aspirations, um, that we'll find them other opportunities that, um, so that we can hold our leaders accountable to providing that experience that our caregivers want. Um, one of the things that we do every single year, too, uh, Chris, that's a little bit unique is that we do, in addition to our typical kind of experience or engagement survey, every single one of our supervisors in the organization, all of our management structure, actually also takes kind of a specialized um, survey that's a part of that where they get their own engagement result back. And um, we're able, with the vendor that we utilize, to basically say, this is how engaged you are. Here are some of the opportunities to improve your own engagement. Um, statistically, we know that based on these factors about your own engagement, here's how that impacts the engagement of your team, your coworkers, your supervisor, and the communities that you serve. And so we're really making an investment on the development of our leaders, like I mentioned, on the accountability for our leaders, but also making sure that they understand the science behind how their own engagement and experience is impacting the experience of, of others. Um, and so those are a couple of ways that we um, get folks involved and in really um, trying to drive that experience. We also really focus, and I'm sure it's no surprise based on the type of organization that we are, but really focus on service. And so we have um, an, an incredible number and amount of service opportunities for folks to go out and partner with the community to make lives better every single day, in addition to doing their day jobs really well. And so we have a, an incredible number of programs and great leadership support for time off and things like that. To, for um, our executives all the way down to our frontline uh, caregivers um, to spend time in their communities, um, offering um, time and resources back. Well, I know you uh, are also, and all the things that you've done, you've listed so far, also have spent some time as a college instructor at Purdue and other universities. Uh, we've taught all sorts of different classes, in, um, interpersonal, organizational communications, team dynamic, public speaking, organizational behavior, and I also have in my notes here love, so maybe we can get a few tips from you there. But uh, can you t tell me about, you know, what kind of drives you to, to do some of that work and how you think maybe that impacts your, your daily work now, but kind of that correlation between instructing and those types of things and what, what you're doing on your day-to-day -day work over there at Providence? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of people um, in, in when they start college or even grad school, I think, set out a path for themselves. And it's actually something I'm really passionate about helping our caregivers now about, you know, setting your personal and professional goals, making sure that they're in balance and you get what you want, making sure you know what your values are. I actually, uh, I guess, fortunately, really seem to accidentally have lucked into so many experiences that have helped me along the way. Um, and the first, I think, was a decision um, to pursue soft science and hard science degrees and teach along the way. And so pursuing soft and hard science degrees has really just given me a tremendous benefit to articulate a lot of the stuff that we do in our soft science areas and talent in HR and turn them into both language um, projects and outcomes that our leaders can really understand and get behind. And so that's helped me to be really successful um, in uh, helping convince leaders, frankly, that sometimes might otherwise um, prioritize other things, that our talent is really uh, what is driving our success. So um, I think that that was, that was pretty lucky. As far as teaching goes, you know, it really taught me about servant leadership, um, encouraging others' growth, and frankly, it honed my public speaking and influence skills. I still remember when I was a, um, a first-year student in my first master's program at Purdue, and they literally sent us the book like two weeks ahead of time to teach public speaking. And so it's part of, you know, our graduate assistantship or something. And so I'm teaching public speaking for the first time. I've never taken it. Uh, and so on the end of semester evaluations, one of the students wrote, if, you, if you're going to teach public speaking, you should learn how to do it. And that was a big wake-up call. And it also helped with my own growth and development and humility, I think. Um, but uh, over the course of the five years, I've got pretty, uh, I got pretty good at that piece. But it really honed my influence skills. Um, it also really gave me the opportunity to meet and interact with thousands of really incredible future leaders. And that also gave me a great perspective. You know, leaders um, from the community college at Vincennes University all the way to Purdue's, you know, engineering program, which is ranked one of the top in the countries. And so really, I think, gave me perspective about where lots of different folks were coming from. And it also, frankly, um, 
uh, created a, a passion within me to be a lifelong learner. You know, I really feel like every year I go through this great life that I've had. Um, I learn more and more, and I realize that I know less and less. And so I think that teaching at a university setting offered me all those opportunities, but it also gave me the opportunity to continue um, being a lifelong learner. Um, at one point in my kind of college career, I have a couple of master's degrees and started to go back for a PhD. I think um, my parents and friends were wondering if I'd ever stop going to school, and it's just because I really love learning about um, you know, new innovations or how to apply um, something from supply chain or operations in a different way. And, um, you know, both teaching forces you to get really good at that because you have to explain it in ways that lots of other folks can understand. So, you know, if you look throughout your career, you've, you've done a lot of uh, different things and I'm sure certainly inspired others, um, especially to want to excel in their own careers. Um, you know, how, how do you think you're, you're do, doing that uh, at your best? You know, when you're you're out there doing your work at your best. How do you think that you're able to, to inspire others and really help them, you know, in their own careers as they move forward? Uh, first, I think uh, that, uh, you know, I'm so grateful for those that inspired me. It's hard, um, even given all of the privilege and the positions that I've had over the last several years to think my, about myself uh, inspiring others. And so I always try to emulate, you know, the... Um, the folks that have really inspired me, the Alan Churches from Pepsi or the Ed Lawlers from CEO or Mark Efron and Jim Shanley who um, lead the talent strategy group or you know, Ulrich from the RBL group, all these folks that for the last 20 years or so um, or more, several of them have been really inspiring me. And so some of the things that I've really taken from them that I try to impart on others is, you know, first maybe is to approach leadership as a vocation of service. Um, you know, you can... Use servant leadership, that's a little bit cliche, but really looking at your leadership role as in service to others, however you want to articulate it, I think is something that great leaders should aspire to every single day. And for me at least, you know, I have a set of a few questions by my desk and I try to live up to those things every single day and every day I just try to get better and better because I know that um, um, it's, it's difficult to, to do your best every single day, even especially in challenging times. I also think giving back to the communities that you're part of and those um, that, might not, that may or may not really need it um, is something else that um, just grounds us as human beings and also can inspire um, the work that you're doing at work as well. Um, view lifelong learning as, uh, lifelong development and learning as an aspiration um, is something that I think is really important. Um, in terms of like business things that I think that I've been able to impart on uh, some of the, the folks that I've worked with, especially in HR, that um, don't necessarily have a natural um, business bent if they don't, is really to make sure that we're prioritizing things uh, that um, are really going to help uh, solve a problem or create an opportunity for an organization. It sounds so simple and cliche, uh, but to the extent that I've seen HR professionals and my mentors um, really connect themselves very closely to the business and help to solve a problem or um, uh, generate um, or advance an opportunity, um, those things always um, get, get ground you really well in the organization and create incredible outcomes. Um, probably lastly, uh, you know, if Jim Shanley, who used to lead talent at Bank of America, told me one time, Greg, if you're not risking your job, you're risking your job. And so I have a little box of these uh, rubber tigers by my desk. And every time I uh, see a caregiver who might be having a tough time, I go have a talk with them about the fact that even though sometimes um, work is challenging and the environment that we're in requires us to kind of lean forward, the organization hired us to be tigers. And, you know, when I was an actual consultant, it was easy every day to be a tiger. You had to be at your best on your game every single day. I think sometimes when folks come into the organization and they've been there for five or ten years, they have a tendency sometimes to turn from tigers into house cats. You know, we um, get complacent. We're worried about our jobs. We get nervous about kind of speaking truth. Um, what, the way that we see it um, for whatever thing that we might want to risk. And so I remind folks, if you want to be um, at the top of your game, you got to view your um, role as to really take risk and to be a tiger and to um, encourage the organization to lean forward versus stand back on our heels. And so those are the, some of the things I think that um, I've seen provide value to others that uh, folks at some point have imparted on me. So I'm uh, you know, kind of given your... Uh 
your appetite for for strong leadership and and learning new things and being an instructor i'm sure that you probably are an avid reader so i'm wondering what book you're reading right now or one that maybe you recently read that you might uh, suggest that our listeners take a look at uh, I'll give you one one old one and, and maybe one newer one. One old one that I try to read every quarter is um, Jim Collins' How Did the Mighty Fall. Um, it reminds me every quarter. It's like, you know, an airplane read. It's not like one of his thick books, like the Great. Um, you can read it on an airplane ride in like an hour. And it talks about all of the examples of failure that his research has found over the years. And it talks about the hubris of success and some other things that um, just really help to keep me on my toes and remind me, um, be humble. Look over the next two mountains, take risks, and don't ever get complacent. And so How the Mighty Fall, I think, is an incredible book. I try to read at least once a quarter or skim it. Um, the book I'm really enjoying right now is by the CEO of, of Hogan. I'm sure that some of your listeners know him. Um, and I pro- apologize, Tomas, if I mispronounce your last name. It's um, Shamoro um, Premusic. And um, he wrote this book. It's called The Talent Delusion, Why Data, Not Intuition, is Key to Unlocking Human Potential. And so for me, one of the things that I mentioned earlier that I try to talk to my team about and the caregivers that I interact with is really unlocking human potential, um, measuring the outcomes that we're getting, and using data to try to foster the best solutions possible. I think for too long, we've assumed that some of the soft stuff like diversity and development can't be measured. And I think that that's done our function, frankly, a little bit of a disservice. And so if we really want to get um, the things that we know that we can do to add value to the organization, prioritized, funded, and resourced, we really have to get really good at using science, predicting outcomes, and then measuring success and tweaking. And so the talent delusion, why data, not intuition, is the key to unlocking human potential is the one that um, I might recommend to folks. I also love reading stuff outside of the function. Um, like I mentioned, you know, I'm sure some folks in school read The Goal from a supply chain perspective. There's a great book by a guy named James Merlino, who was the head experience officer at Cleveland Clinic called Service Fanatics, um, that um, anyone in the service industry, regardless of if it's healthcare, I think could get benefit from reading as well. Well, um, other thing we've been kind of asking our, uh, our guests and love to know if there's a gadget or an app or something new to your process you've added this year that we might want to take a look at. I'm going to go and listen to your last five cop podcast to hear what everyone else said in this space. Um, <laughs> this is one area where I need some improvement. I got to admit it. You know, I, I use Twitter. I feel like I'm an avid user of uh, several different kinds of apps on my iPhone. I think from a wellness perspective, our organization just launched something called Virgin Pulse, which really encourages folks to um, be at their healthiest financially, emotionally, and, and physically. Uh, but um, And we're deploying lots and lots of cool software in um, our TA organizations, customer relationship management technology, et cetera. But um, I am not the, uh, the, the biggest user of all the coolest gadgets and apps. And so, like I said, I, I'm serious. I'm going to go back and listen to your last five or ten, see what they said, and uh, like I normally do, steal famously from folks that, that I admire greatly. Yeah, I mean, what do you think so I should great... look into? What, what do you think are some of the leading apps that uh, – that um, innovators in the HR and the talent space should be thinking about. Do you have any any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what um, what people are focused on. I mean, there's some really great apps for meditation and Headspace. There's some great ones for learning. Um, whether you just want to keep your brain sharp, or maybe you are someone who's come off of some sort of um, you know head-related injury or stroke or things like that. Um, there's some great ones out there that uh, people are using. Um, as well as uh, there's some cool apps, like there's one called Flipboard that I use all the time, which is kind of helps you organize articles, and you can flip through them very quickly and by different subject matters, different types of things. I sometimes can get a little tired of some of the news that they want to put at the top, um, yeah. and so I can easily go in and you know click on science or click on sports or click on travel or some other subcategory, right, and get a lot of articles that are very recent uh, based on that. So kind of creating my own newspaper. So there's a lot of really great ones out there that we've seen a lot of people using. And uh, I, I'm waiting for, we'll see if this ends up happening or not here in the United States, but you know, the WhatsApp app has yeah. taken over the rest of the world. Um, I certainly use it quite a bit here. Um, but if you travel anywhere globally, that's just how everyone's communicating now. And it's amazing how big that app has become. So if you're not on it, you probably should be on it. 
um, and kind of take over all your phone and text uh, needs. So there's a few off the top of my head just uh, without thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm trying to turn the tables, but this is what I do. And I'm interviewing people are interviewing me. I, I try to get your expertise and incorporate yeah, yeah, yeah. into what I do. So I, I appreciate it. I'm going to look some of those up. And if you want a fun one, especially like for your kids and your friends, stuff, there's one called Marco Polo, uh, which okay. is sort of like a walkie-talkie for videos. What I mean by that is only, you can only video one message at a time, and someone gets delivered your video message, and they can watch it whenever it's convenient for them, and then, then they can reply back to you. So it's really nice because it's you're communicating, but people it's not a two-way communication. It's, it's like leaving a little video message. Um, and I, I love it. It seems like people love to do it and leave messages when they're busy for their friends and family um, when they have time and they can watch when they have time. So anyways, uh, really you know, we're cool. almost Thank out you. of time here, Greg. How can people get a hold of you? How can they learn more about your hospital and all the cool things that you guys are doing? What's the best way for them to find out more? Yeah, well, anyone that's interested can hit me up on uh, LinkedIn. That's the thing that I'm probably most active on. And I'd love to hear what people thought about any of these concepts, contribute to the conversation, or, um, you know, let me, you know, list out a few more apps that uh, we should check out. Um, they can also check us out at psjhhealth.org. Um, I think as a health provider that we have some of the more innovative practices in HR and in the talent space. And so, as I mentioned earlier in the call, we filled 37,000 positions last year. If folks are interested in a career at Providence and St. Joseph Health, uh, either look me up or hit us up on psjhhealth.org, and we'd love to talk to them about um, anything related to talent, HR, or uh, potential opportunities for employment. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Hopefully we can have you come back at some point, give us an update on all the other cool things that you're doing. Uh, but uh, really appreciate you being here, Greg. Yeah, thank you so much for the time, Chris. I really look forward to uh, hearing from your audience and listening to your last 10 podcasts to figure out what I should <laughs> be learning. Appreciate it. Okay. Fantastic. Thanks, everyone, for listening today, today's show. Hopefully, you've gained something you can use in your own career. Next week, I will have two guests again, uh, Glenn Elliott, keynote speaker and author of um, Rebel Playbook for Employee Engagement, and then Jacob Morgan, keynote speaker and futurist and, of course, best-selling author. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.